Welcome to the show where we unearth new ways of looking at ever-evolving life around the world, seen from a number of different industries, cultures, and backgrounds. But there's one thing that unites everyone I speak to. They all want to do their part to make the world better in their own unique ways. It's a uniting passion. Whether they're from the commercial world, third sector, or public sector, from the global north or the global south, my name is Philippa White, and welcome to Thai Unearthed. If you have ever had to raise money for an organization, then this episode is for you. If you get hot sweats just thinking about having to ask people for yet more money, then this is also for you. Or if you're a corporate and wondering how to improve the relationships that you have with your NGO partners, then I'd also love for you to keep listening. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Thai Unearthed. And today I'm speaking with Mallory Erickson. She is the nonprofit coach teaching fundraisers how to bring in more donations without chasing them. Through her signature framework, the Power Partners Formula, Mallory provides unique tools to help raise more from foundations, corporate partners, and individuals. She's coached over 1,000 fundraisers using her simple but unique strategy. Mallory's key takeaway is that great fundraising is not an ask, it's an offer. And today we are going to bring this to life. Hi, Mallory. It is so wonderful to see you here and to have you with us today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you. There's, I was so happy when I came across you on LinkedIn um, and when I saw what you were doing, I got really, really excited. There's a lot of overlap. Um, and I just think our listeners are just going to love your story and hear what you're up to. And I know that you're super busy. You've got so much going on right now. So I'm, I'm looking forward to you sort of telling our listeners because it's sort of a really exciting moment for you. There's a real, real energy. I obviously saw your live today and I've been watching webinars and oh, there's so much great content that you've got going out there. So to kick things off, um, I just love you, please, just to tell us a little bit about your background and yeah, what brought you to where you are now? Yeah, well, yeah, thank you so much for, for all of that. And I'm so excited to be talking today too. Um, so I have spent my career in the nonprofit sector. I, you know, I don't, I didn't anticipate that necessarily, but, um, but I fell in love with it in, in sort of my first role with an organization where I thought maybe I would just be in the sector. I started in public, public education um, here in the U.S. and, um, but through a nonprofit and thought, you know, okay, I'll spend a few years on the ground in the public schools, then I'm gonna go on to law school or public policy school, you know, had dreams of going to Washington, but really fell in love with the nonprofit sector and and my belief in its role to really solve these critical issues that we all wanna see solved. And um, I, I obviously saw a tremendous amount of challenges along the way as well, and things that weren't working and that were broken, but underneath it all have this fundamental belief like deep in my belly that it, it has the potential to be the solution that we want it to be. Um, and I, you know, started to sort of work myself up in the ranks in the nonprofit sector, found myself first in a managing director role and then in an executive director role, both that had big fundraising um, responsibilities. And I hated it. <laughs> 
I mean, I had like, if you had asked me my least favorite part of being an executive director, I would have said fundraising over and over again. I felt really uncomfortable. I felt really inauthentic. I didn't know how to like be me in that part of my job. I felt like I could go out there and I could talk about our programs and I could talk about our organization with so much passion, with so much inspiration. But then the moment that money came up, I would sort of freeze and clam up and go in and Um, And so I honestly was thinking about leaving the nonprofit sector. I was like, I must be bad at this. I can't figure out how to make this work for me. Um, And then I had this kind of, I don't know, variety of life experiences that weren't directly connected to my fundraising come together at the same moment. I went through executive coach certification. I started studying behavior change and habit building, design thinking. And the way that those experiences impacted my life while I had these fundraising expectations really changed, changed my life. So I, I was able to take a step back and say, okay, what are, what are the sort of traps I've been stuck in inside this sector, inside the typical ways we're trained to do fundraising and, and why, and do I have to do it that way? And so I created basically a new framework for myself at the time, which had huge fundraising, a huge impact on my fundraising financially, but more importantly, really changed the way I felt daily as a nonprofit leader and a fundraiser. And I started to love fundraising and I started So just, to, just really yeah. quickly. So if, cause the, our listeners range from, you know, people in the private sector, but also, as you know, we work very much with the, uh, the social sector NGOs, um, social initiative world where fundraising is a big part of it, just to get an idea a little bit more about your background and sort of the, what, what kinds of organizations did you work in? Where are we talking about just really big organizations that do sort of really big fundraising? Is that sort of the only experience you've had or has it sort of been through the, with a range of different ones, just to sort of paint the picture a little bit more? Yeah, so I I mean, the first organization I worked for was called Citizen Schools, multi-million dollar organization. I was there when they got their first million dollar um, grant, I believe. I wasn't a part of, of getting that gift, but I sort of watched that happen in the organization and the, the impact of it. Um, I The organization that I first became a managing director of and then executive director, I started with them when it was a $300,000 organization, built it to around $2 million. The next one I came into as the leader was uh, they had just hit a million dollars. And um, when I left, they were at 3.6. So I, te- I, I really love the like 300,000 to $10 million range. That tends to be like my sweet spot with organizations. Although I do have, you know, some hundred million dollar organizations that I work with as well. Um, so, but I hope that gives more. Yeah, that's picture. really, yeah. That, yeah, it's really, really interesting. So anyway, I cut you off, go on. Yeah, I mean, it was a range of sort of like strategy components and also a lot of self-coaching, a lot of like deep analysis around What were the things that were driving my behavior? You know, I had a fundraising coach at the time and um, I haven't actually shared this anywhere else, but he used to say, he used to say, like, make the ask over soup. And so it was this idea that, you know, you don't want to go into a fundraising meeting and the whole time have in the back of your head, okay, I have to figure out, like, how am I going to slide this in here? When's the right time? And what am I, you know, but, and so he would coach me around that. But what we didn't do together, and he's like, I love that this is what you're doing now, is that I'm starting to ask the question, why don't we make the ask over soup? Like, why don't we? What are the things that hold us back from doing that? And I feel like that, unraveling that, understanding that for ourselves, 
getting the tools we need to feel comfortable doing that, I really, I feel like that's where the key lies to people unlocking their fundraising potential. Um, and so that that's what I do now. <laughs> that's really great. And actually, just to capture that, because I think that's actually, <laughs> honestly, I think that's a life lesson for a lot of things. If I think of what we do um, and unlocking insights, developing relationships with you know, if people physically are going to another part of the world to be able to help an organization and, you know, there's the, um, they, they, there's a house stay and they, they live with the people that they're either working with or somebody locally. And to be able to have those insights or to be able to develop those really amazing relationships that you need to be able to truly help an organization or a group of people in a really short amount of time it's the breakfast conversations. It's the, it's the drinking orange juice and, or, you know, eating something, whatever it is. And then it's that informal relationship that you develop with somebody that you then start to develop trust and you start to develop um, commonality and you sort of find that, oh, there are sort of some common understanding and then it's easier to have those kind of conversations because you're not using the per. It's like literally, oh, there's a co- there's a win win here for mm, us. And exactly. Anyway, so I think that's a really great learning. I think for so many things, it's it doesn't have to be this. It, it's if you find a common ground, then so many things are so much easier. And it's fi- yes. it's finding those opportunities for that. So I, I love that. I think that's great. So tell me, um, what what are you doing now? So we've got this sort of build up. <laughs> Ah, it's all possible. Um, so tell me, what are you doing now? Uh, I, I under, you know, how did it come about? Um, and what is your main goal with what you do? So just bring this to life because this is exciting. Yeah. And revolutionary. Yes. And I think a lot of people need to know about it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So, you know, I started, so basically as I started to discover and sort of watch these frameworks and these tools transform my fundraising, I started to talk to other fundraisers about it. And I was like, have you ever worked with someone who does this? Or has anyone ever taught you how to do this? And, you know, I've been really realizing that when I understand why I'm uncomfortable in a situation, when I really track the thoughts and beliefs that are leading to that discomfort, it gives me so much more capacity to sort of change the way I'm thinking, to change the way I'm showing up, all these different themes that sort of interweave into what I do now. And what I was hearing over and over again from fundraisers was like, no, where is this conversation? Where is this conversation? And I really felt like for most of my career, for 13 years, that I could not even say I'm uncomfortable fundraising without everyone being like, oh, she's just a bad fundraiser or she's a bad nonprofit leader, right? That that I was the only one. I was sure that like the good ones couldn't possibly feel the way that I feel. And so the way it really started was, you know, I, I mean, I've been talking about this for a few years and I've really gained momentum recently because I think in during COVID, during the pandemic, people came face to face with their fundraising fears. And right when when COVID hit, you know, people were offering a number of like free resources and I wanted to do that too. I really wanted to figure out how I could step up, how I could support the community. Um, and so I posted something about doing a fearless fundraising boot camp. And I basically like wrote this little paragraph. I put it like on my Facebook page and maybe in one, one Facebook group or something. I, it wasn't even linked to my website. I was just like, I want to talk about like what's holding you back from taking action around your fundraising right now because I'm just watching this like paralysis across the sector. And I went to bed and I woke up and 180 people had signed up. 
No way. And I was, I hadn't even, I hadn't even made the, the webinar. I thought I was going to do like a 10 person group coaching, like very casual thing. And then I was like, whoa, okay. There's clearly People are ready. Yeah. People are ready to talk about this. They are ready to change the way they feel as fundraisers. They are ready to fundraise differently. And so here we go. And of course, I like posted this on like a Friday afternoon and like offered it on Monday at noon or something absurd like that. So I spent like all weekend like building this webinar. Anyways, I did it. I know it was uh, I was a maniac, um, my poor husband and daughter. Um, But I but then I I ended up doing this webinar for over a thousand people throughout 2020. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. And it was really fun and really awesome to watch the way they just started to shift in how they were showing up and um, and moving into action when they were feeling that paralysis. And so then my business sort of exploded from there. My one-on-ones filled up really quickly. And so I, I started to really you know, see the need for this in a bigger way that then I could provide in sort of my one-on-one service. And so in October of 2020, I stopped my one-on-ones and I basically put my head down and I built a a self-guided course. I have my master's in education. My background is in education. And so I spent three months building the Power Partners formula, which is basically everything I've been doing with my one-on-one clients, but through a self-guided course with some group coaching and a private Facebook group and all that stuff. And it walks you through some of the frameworks of fundraising that I use really through an executive coaching lens. So we do something called asset mapping, where they're really looking at all the different things of value inside their organization, way beyond their programs. Um, And then I help them see, I call them funder lenses, like how do different funders look at their organization? What are they thinking about? And you said the word win-win before, and that's really at the root of everything. You know, people hear Power Partners formula, they think I'm talking about the funder as the power partner. I'm talking about both people. You, the nonprofit leader, you are a power partner too. Your funders need you. They want to work with you. And it's a total limiting belief that the only thing of value at that table is the person with money. There's a lot of value at that table and you have a ton of it. And it's about figuring out how to talk about it, how to leverage it, how to find that win-win so that you can have these sustainable mutually beneficial partnerships that actually move the needle on solving these issues. So that's a lot of where my focus is, is inside Power Partners. There are almost 100 organizations. We did kind of a soft launch in January. Um, folks can join at any time. And um, yeah, there are almost 100 organizations inside there. And then that's some amazing. do uh, some one-on-one work with me as well. But it's been so fun and just so, I'm just so proud of the organizations inside and, and watching them shift the way they do things and feel um, feel really differently as, as fundraisers. Yeah, I mean, that's really exciting. And you should feel so proud because I hear, uh, obviously, I hear a lot of um, these types of challenges that organizations obviously are facing all over the world. And like you say, the the need is there. We need so many of these organizations to be able to make the difference. And it's just changing that it's the way that they see themselves. I mean, we, we as I mentioned when we spoke um, a little while ago, uh, we we were working with uh, Eric B in January, which is a rainforest organization. And we had a group of um, leaders come together to help them reposition how they position themselves to be able to get mm-hmm. money from corporate donors. And it, that was a big part of the conversation, actually. It was, you know, your your 
presenting yourself is sort of like an apologetic ask of please you know we, we really need to be able to keep doing what we're doing to save the planet for everybody <laughs> and it's like mm-hmm. hold on a second no you know corporations need you guys and it's you need to change that and that's just amazing you're able to do that on scale that's absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic and more people need to know about so obviously we will be including the um the link in the in the bio and of course at the end well actually well, why don't you just even now what what's the what is your um how can people find it just now even yeah if they go to malloryerickson.com um they can see you'll see under my services the power partners formula you can read more about it there and watch the webinar or just go to malloryerickson.com slash free yeah. and um and you'll watch the webinar and about it can set up. that's great yeah. so tell me what would you say i mean uh, as I say, as I as I said when we started, there's just so many overlaps with what you're doing, what we're doing. Um, what would you say some of the major challenges are facing NGOs um, when it comes to fundraising? We talked about the sort of the way that they position themselves, um, but it, to people who are listening, um, it just you obviously must hear some. There must be trends. You must be hearing some of the same things. If uh, and I, there's a number of different levels of organizations. So big corporate. NGOs and we have really, really, really grassroots organizations where there's sort of a really stressed out, burned out individual that is the only person who's basically doing so much more than just fundraising. And the only way that they can keep the lights on at the organization is if this person manages to finally, you know, close this one thing and then having to rewrite things all the time and it's exhausting. And it's so what what can you tell, you know, what are some of the challenges that you see? And mm. Oh, my gosh. Um so much of what you just said, I think, is hitting on is hitting on them. You know, one of the ones I'll just say quickly because I don't actually think enough attention is given to it, but you were just referencing it is this idea of context switching, which is that nonprofit leaders, particularly at grassroots nonprofits, they are trying to fundraise, doing way too many things at once, and they are losing momentum on all of them, and they're not doing any of them well. So they're trying to do this campaign over here, and they're trying to do this event over here, and they're trying to raise this money for this thing from this person, right? And then, and they're trying to build corporate sponsorship around this whole other thing. And I talk a lot about inside my program, the idea of building one bridge at a time, right? That you need to focus on so much. The the number one question I get asked is, what's the lowest hanging fruit for our organization? What's the lowest hanging fruit for our organization? And I always say to people, I'm like, I cannot tell you that in two seconds. It is different for every organization. And so what I've tried to do inside my course is help people go walk step, walk them step-by-step through the process that my brain goes through when I'm analyzing their data, when I'm analyzing their assets, when I'm analyzing their prospect list to, tell, to answer that question. And then I want them to focus on one thing at a time. I want you to build a corporate sponsorship program around one of your program areas at a time. I want you to spend three hours. You, you know, I'll have people come to me and say, well, I did. I spent three hours fundra- doing fundraising stuff yesterday. I'm like, yeah, but you wrote a, an email to a major donor about your seventh grade math program. Then you created a sponsorship benefit for your sixth grade science fair. Then you did, right? And every time we're switching between those different things, we're losing so much energy in the process and we're feeling so scattered and we're in that hustle hamster wheel. So big thing, I mean, and I just do not think this is talked about enough around the way the habits of fundraisers hold them back. And um, and that just some of these things that have kind of been ingrained as in the sector as just the way we do things. And the way that I'm suggesting people focus their time has nothing to do with diversified revenue. You know, people are always like, oh, but we need diversified revenue. And I'm like, totally. 
So how about on Tuesdays, you just focus on one type of funder and one program area. Can you do that? Like just on Tuesdays, right? And then like Wednesdays, focus on a different type of funder and a different program area. But like, don't, if you're jumping so far back and forth constantly, it's a huge waste. So, okay, I'll get off my soapbox (laughs) that one. (laughs) But I think, I think this, I think this goes to like this underlying piece here, which is that a lot of the problems that people face in fundraising are things that have been embedded in this sector as the way things go. You know, I hear so much about restricted funding. Here's this big problem, restricted funding. I will tell you, I want, when people come to me and are working with me one-on-one, I watch them dig their own hole around restricted funding. You know, I had someone come to me and say, well, this person really wanted to buy a van to distribute food. And and so now we have two vans, but we didn't really need two vans, but they just bought you a $10,000 van. And I'm like, they bought you a $10,000 van because they believe the van is what provides the food to the people in need. But you are in charge of telling them what it actually takes to provide the food to the people in need. And if it's not the van, it's your responsibility to explain that to them, to tell them that story, to show them that impact. And so I think there are just these limiting beliefs. that's so fascinating. There are these limiting beliefs, right, that are so deeply embedded in this sector. And I actually think if we can take a step back and look at those and examine those, that those are actually the truest, the the some of the biggest problems that we're facing and the best news about it though is that they're the biggest problems we're facing and the ones we can do the most about yeah god i just listening to you talk because oh we we have so many similar you come at it in a very very different from a different point of view but it's 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 interesting how the conversations are not dissimilar um But just listening to you talking about case studies and bringing to life, you know, what it is that you do so people can understand. And I I just, I just, God, so many years ago when we started doing what we did, I mean, back in 2009, I think it was, and we were talking to a street kids organization here in Brazil. And there was this thing about the vet. We were talking about um, what are, you know, what are some of your biggest challenges? Funding, obviously every time. Um, and then it, it, it was actually this van that they have that keeps breaking down and they need, they need um, money for the van. And so I was like, okay, let's take a step back and then say, okay, but let's look at some of the bigger, you know, the bigger picture. What, what are, what is it that you're working on? What, what do you need? And then it sort of through further questions and further understanding it was, well, you know, our work is really important with these young people on the street. Um, more people need to understand about it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. people don't understand the, the importance of having these workers that actually work with the um, I can't, street. I can't remember what they call them, but the, uh, educators, educators on the street working with these young people. We said, OK, so you need case studies. You need beautiful stories of what it is that you're doing to bring to life the work that you do so that people can actually understand the impact. It's not about the van. It's just really funny that you talked about the van because mm-hmm. this van kept breaking down. And I said, okay, so us asking for money for a van, I don't think makes that much sense, but we can help from a communications point of view to bring to life the incredible work that you're doing and the impact on Tommy, who now is actually a dad and working at the gas station nearby. And it's because of your educators that are working with, that worked with him and got him off the streets and off the drugs. Like he is a beautiful story. You need to bring together, like bring to life. Mm. Oh yeah, that's a really good idea. So then we had somebody go bring these beautiful case studies to life and then it just improved. 
improves the chances of getting fundraising. So it's just interesting because mm-hmm. the the yeah, it's 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 helping. I guess yeah, people understand different ways. Anyway, fascinating, fascinating. <laughs> um, talk to us about your thoughts on cross sector partnerships. Yeah, well, I love cross-sector partnerships, which is why I love so much what you all do um, and why I do think there's just so much alignment. And, and I'll just say really quickly that I think I think that there's so much, um, and this actually relates to your question about cross-sector partnerships, but also you and I having conversations like this, which is that I think everything is better when we bring people together who have different lenses of a situation to talk through our perspectives and be open to hearing the other person's perspectives. And that, you know, I talk a lot about lenses inside my program and in my work, right, around what does it take for us to put on the lens of someone else's experience or perceptions or beliefs? Because you and I could watch, we could hear a nonprofit story. We're going to take away totally different things, right? You and I are going to come up with totally different things about what they should do first or what they, right? And those aren't wrong. It doesn't mean that they're wrong. It actually probably means that they're both really important and that they're both good, but that there's, it's different perspectives. And I, and so I just, um, so I just think that there's so much richness there. And I think that really carries over to cross-sector partnerships. I will say, like, as someone who, like, grew up inside the nonprofit sector, this is going to be, like, maybe a little controversial for me to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think we get taught a little bit this, like, self-righteousness inside the sector that, like, we're world changers. And there's, like, a level of, like, I think martyrdom that comes with it and a lot of other components that I think are really important for us to look at if we're going to become the empowered leaders that we want to be. And I think part of what comes with that, too, is, like, one, a level of skepticism around the for-profit industry, uh, the for-profit sector, And I think it also comes with a level of, I don't even know how to describe this, but like, you should just give us money because we're a nonprofit, okay? You have lots of money. I don't have lots of money. So you should just give me that money. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, And it's not that I don't actually believe in the redistribution of wealth. I do. I think it's really important. It's a core value of mine as a person. But from a strategic standpoint, as a fundraiser, it's not an effective strategy, right? So like I constantly grapple with the desire to kind of like blow it all up, right? And like be upset about the district, you know, the inequity in our world or to figure out strategic ways to move money to change the things that we want to see change. That is a constant daily battle a little bit that I Mm -hmm. deal with, but I have chosen to to try to help or to help organizations move more money by being strategic in the way that they support companies. And this doesn't mean, I think sometimes when people hear strategic, and I can even imagine some of the some of the beliefs that are coming up, like, you know, okay, like how exactly to say the right thing to a company so that they want to partner with you. Actually, that's not what I teach. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Like I just, I had a conversation just three days ago and I, I hope actually I need to add her to my newsletter list so that she can get this podcast. I actually am going to send her the podcast because it was, it was really interesting. The, one of the first questions was, I know that you work a lot with corporates. Um, uh, I, you know, I just want 50, I just think, you know, uh, to help me with my project, it would be like $50 a month. Like they've got so much money. Um, it's only $50. Like it's really simple. Like what would you say that I need to say? 
and I mean, I'm not a fundraiser, so and I said I'm not really a fundraiser, but I, I, I know that it, it's not quite as simple as that because you could have the richest company in the entire world for them to take $50 out of that and give it to you. Like there needs to be a, there needs to be a, a win. Like there needs to be a strategic conversation. Like it, it yes. has to be. So, I mean, honestly, I'm so excited for people to have this information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not only does it have to be a strategic conversation, but nonprofits need to understand that these companies are getting inundated with messages like that. They're getting inundated with messages like only $50 a month. So let's like pull out for a second, right? Let's think about how many things we get in the mail asking us for 25 cents or $1, right? Every time we check out at a pharmacy or a supermarket or, right? And so what, that's the same mentality, right? That you definitely have a dollar more, you definitely have 25 cents more, so why not just give it to us, right? Just give it to us, you definitely have a dollar to spend, right? But we know as individuals, we don't just do it. We don't just do it, right? If it's not aligned with the change we wanna see in the world, if they haven't captured our attention, if it isn't um, you know, related to what we have determined to be a top priority for us, then we don't just give a dollar, even though, yeah, it would be pretty easy to just give a dollar, right? So that's, so, so nonprofit leaders need to like, remember that, like that that's the, they're trying to apply that same thinking um, to these companies. And that again, really only centers money as the thing of value and the thing with power and, and the thing that matters. And I think that that's actually a really big mistake that nonprofits make too. And so I think where where cross-sector partnerships are really important, both for money and for solving the problems we want to see solved, is when partners can come together and strategically look at what's keeping you up at night? What's keeping you up at night? What do you need? What's hard over there? What's the hard, like, that's a, that, my favorite question to ask companies when I'm in a conversation is, you know, what's, what's been keeping you up at night recently? But I also ask them things like, what was the hardest lesson you guys learned last year? Or what's, some, what's something you thought you were going to be able to move the needle on last year that you couldn't? And what did you learn from it? And then I ask them questions like, how can, okay, so let me tell you a little bit about the nonprofit that I'm working with, da 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 you know, how can, like, is there a way that we could support, you know, your goal around X, Y, and Z through our blank, 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 right? And I will tell you that, one, the power of what comes up in conversations like that, of what's possible when people are really coming to a conversation from the perspective of strategic partnership, as opposed to like some event sponsor, is wild. I mean, it changes everything. And then the other thing that's really powerful to watch is the way it changes the partner, the corporate partner. I mean, the amount of times I've heard from clients or people in my program, oh my gosh, Mallory, I did what you said and I just watched their shoulders relax and I just watched them lean in and I just watched them connect and I heard them say, wow, I've never been asked that question before. And I even had on a, I, I did a session around corporate sponsorship for a, a nonprofit, a group of nonprofit leaders once through like a center support for nonprofit leadership. And I didn't know this, but the sponsor of the training was there for the whole training. I did not know this, but he came on at the end of the training and he said, thank you so much for training fundraisers like this. He was like, because people come to me constantly with requests 
And even if I deeply believe in what they're asking for, I need to justify that marketing spend to 47 other people. And so if you come to me just with a, you should sponsor my gala because I've I've got nothing to work with. But if people came talking like this to me, it would give me exactly what I need to justify the partnership, to justify the engagement, to justify the investment. And there probably are people hearing this being like, well, why would you have to justify it? It's a good cause. But there are, you know, just in the U.S. alone, 1.5 million nonprofits. So just imagine how many good causes companies are getting approached with. And that is really around, like, that's where my term, like, power partner comes from, is, like, you've got to find the right fit. And when you do, that sustainable, reliable revenue, that's a partnership that feels good, is authentic, transparent. For both sides. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, I, and I think companies are evolving and business is evolving in ways that are really important. And, um, and I think business is also in a different place than I think it was when I was graduating college. You know, I thought if I really wanted to make it, and I know you and I talked about this before, like if I wanted to make a big impact in the world, I was either going to go into the public sector or, you know, the nonprofit sector. And I don't think that's true anymore. I think there's so many businesses out there actually really doing good and, or, or at the very least trying to figure out how to do good or to do better. And I, I think they would, um, they're looking for the nonprofits who are willing to see them and hear them so, and partner yeah. with them. And it's so interesting because this, just listening to you talk, this is actually where our worlds come together. Because what, yes, everything that you've said, the private sector has evolved. It has to evolve because of the individuals that are in it. Are, we're in that thinking of, oh my God, is it an either or, or no, I truly believe it's an and, and I truly believe it's an and, and I can work here in finance or communications or whatever. And I know that I can make this company stand for more. So there's the need from the individuals. There's also the need from the, the just customers buying stuff from companies that have to stand for more. And then there's just simply where the world is going with a lot of about ESGs, so environmental, social and governance goals that all these companies are needing to really truly understand. And where do they, what does that mean? Where do we take our companies? So you've got the leaders within these companies that need to sort of understand, okay, so we now understand what the strategy of our company is. We know what we stand for. I know that everyone who works here needs to feel purpose and needs to feel that they're working. So your world is that that's it's like the soul and it's the purpose and it's the humanity that was kind of lacking in this world and this is where the strategic found that's where this needs to come together so i'm developing the leaders and that's what we do with ty and we're coming together with the ngo world but the ngo world needs to understand more about this world to be able to say oh my god so this is the puzzle piece this is how we fit together and that's what you're doing and that's what's so exciting and Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I I think that is a piece that I didn't really hit on, which is that companies and, and you know, great, thankful to people like you. I think more of them are waking up to opportunities like this. And you're right, they are starting to ask these questions. But I still think they are actually under 
undervaluing or underappreciating the way that nonprofits can be partnered with. And I think there's a level of fear that they have around if they engage with a nonprofit, it's going to become this uncomfortable dynamic of the nonprofit just asking and asking and asking and not seeing them. And so it does need to change on both sides. But I actually just found this out like a few minutes before jumping on this, that I wrote this article last week about how businesses really need to be thinking about building partnerships with nonprofits in a new way and all the ways that their business can be strengthened as a result. And I just found out that Inc. actually picked it up and quoted it in an article that they just came out with around marketing trends for um for companies. And so I really hope this catches on too, because I watch these companies putting all this money behind these like Instagram influencers. And I'm like, you know who has the closest relationship to their audience? Nonprofits. Nonprofits. Yeah. They have yeah. such close relationships to their audiences. And so if you can find your power partner from the company perspective, great, great. you're gonna be you're gonna be able to invest in something that really matters, that is so good, and and you're gonna be able to achieve your business goals as a result as well. Yeah. Beautiful. Tell me what gets you excited every day. Ooh, this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I um God, I just, you know, it, it is this. I mean, I am excited by the potential for a new way and a new path. And I'm excited watching my clients and the people inside Power Partners watch it work for them and celebrate their success. And I kind of, you know, live every day to open that Facebook group and see someone's post about something. And, um, and you know, that, that really excites me. And I just feel like we are in this moment in time where we are starting to question things that we haven't questioned enough for a long time, if ever. And, and so I really feel like the time is now to rewrite the rules in different ways. And I, I feel the momentum um, and I'm just, I am excited by it. Yeah, that's so exciting. I relate a lot. <laughs> what could you, just a takeaway for an NGO that's listening? Um, mm. I, I mean, just one takeaway. You have so much to offer in partnership that goes beyond the, the services that your organization provides. But until you value that, your people, your assets, your board, if you don't see the value there, no partner will either. So it really starts with you looking inside and recognizing all you have to offer, valuing it as much as you value money, if not way more, including your time, by the way, which is the number one asset. And until you do, it's gonna be really hard to build strategic partnerships that feel more sustainable. That's great. And actually, that I, it reminds me when I watched your webinar, I think the main thing that I got out of that is great fundraising is not an ask, it's an offer. 
Yeah, that is my underlying mantra and and really like the base of power partners, which is that why do we have this belief that it is an ask instead of giving people the opportunity to, to build partnership, to do something meaningful, to connect, to, to make a change in the world that they want to. I think we take for granted inside the nonprofit sector that we live these impactful, meaningful, heart-centered lives, and we owe it to the people around us to give them the opportunity to as well. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, as we wrap up, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to tell our listeners? Oh, my gosh. I don't know, but I'm... (laughs) But I'm just, I'm so grateful for this conversation and really, you know, I'm so inspired by the work that you all do and and really inspired by the mixed audience here on this podcast. I think it's just one other example of the richness of learning that's important for people to come together around. And I think even hearing for the companies who are still listening, like I hope this opened up your eyes a little bit to some of what the nonprofits might be going through that you're partnering with. And for the nonprofits who are listening, I hope it opened your eyes to what the companies might be going through that you're partnering with and that we all just put on each other's lenses once in a while to um, to be able to, to, to do this thing. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much for your time. For those listening, just malloryerickson.com forward slash free um, or just .com and you can check out more of what she's up to. Thank you for your time. It's a huge pleasure, super inspiring and a massive congratulations for what you've done because it's needed and it's world changing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm so excited to have you on my podcast soon as well. Um, yeah, watch out the, for it, guys, when it happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Launching next week and um, what the fun- fundraising and we will. Um, yeah, so I'm so excited for that conversation, too. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much. Take care. Hey, everyone. This is Philippa again. I hope you enjoyed listening. Now, this is your chance to get involved with Ty. If you work in the commercial world, whatever your profession, your position, or your experience, then Thai could be for you. You may have been in business for decades, but have always felt there's another way. Or you may just have a few years experience, but want to do more. Equally, if you want to create game-changing employees and see your company impact the world, we've got you covered. Thai has never been more necessary than right now, and you can be a part of it. Reach out to me at philippa at theinternationalexchange.co.uk and I can tell you more. Or join the Thai Accelerator info session for more information. Apply.thaiaccelerator.com. Better leaders, better companies, better world. I'm your host, Philippa White. This podcast has been co-produced by Berna Vieira and me. Music by Berna Vieira and artwork by Kelps Fahais. I hope we'll meet again soon.